Welcome to The Stanza, a show for investors and entrepreneurs in the creative industries. I'm your host, Nadine Cho, and I'll be sharing stories of unique people creating their own paths. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. Today's guest is Lodovico Marzotto, founder of Mezcal Shaman. I came across this brand in my home twice, the first in LA when my former roommate brought a bottle home and at my home in Milan when a friend brought a bottle to a taco night that I hosted. Lodovico has an interesting approach to building a spirits brand. They are all about curating a community and experience through exclusive events and then they have the guests evangelize the brand through word of mouth and organic social media. Typically in the spirits business, founders try to get as much exposure possible with big marketing budgets, but what's unique about Lodovico's approach is how it feels like you have to be in the know to have even heard of the brand, kind of like being an early investor in a company that's about to blow up. If you're currently in the spirits business or you're curious about what it takes to build a spirits brand, then you're going to love this episode. Let's talk about Mezcal Shaman. Let's do this. What's the story behind the brand? How did you decide to come up with a mezcal brand and why name it Shaman? That's a very good question. And uh, I think we have to go back to Mexico for this answer. Basically, I've, um, even if I'm Italian, I've been living in Mexico for 10 years now. So obviously I feel very, um, very related to that country. And uh, it's given me so much that I really wanted to give something back to it. And especially if I was to move out of Mexico, which still hasn't happened, but maybe one day it could, I wanted to still have something that would, um, you know, like a foot on the ground still in Mexico. And uh, because of my, of my passion for mezcal, I, I wanted to do something related to that. And that started about six years ago, at least the inception of the idea when, you know, mezcal started becoming a little trendier, mm-hmm. but especially on this side of the world where we are now, so Europe, it wasn't as big. So... I saw the opportunity together with my two co-founders to start a business that could export uh, Mexican culture, Mexican tradition, Mexican color, flavor, and all these amazing things that you can taste and witness and experience yourself when you're in Mexico, also to a part of the world where Mexico is still not, or was still not seen as such a beautiful and incredible place that it is, as it actually is. So, so the idea was, uh, was to do something uh, related to to the liquor business and uh, more importantly to mezcal because we saw two things. First of all, tequila was already booming, was already exploding. I mean, it had already for, for decades, but, uh, but it was like this new wave of the premium tequilas was, uh, was sealing off. And uh, so we wanted to do something different that could compete with that rather than, you know, uh, be part of it. And at the same time, I mean, it felt to us a little more mainstream, uh, you know, and you always want to go against the current, try to do something different, something new something um, also more that resembles more I guess your personality which definitely is mezcal you know like something more craft more authentic more real uh, such as mezcal shaman nowadays and why the name shaman so basically the word uh, the word shaman means uh, means a guide spiritual guide specifically so for us it was very important to have a name that could resemble also what we wanted to do with the brand which was bring as I said at the beginning uh, this world and this uh, this culture also abroad. So we want to kind of uh, to spread the word of mezcal, the word of Mexico, and uh, 
for people to to learn and hear and taste what Mexico is, we thought that the shaman could uh, could actually be a good vehicle to to let people uh, uh, learn about about this. At the same time, also back in uh, in ancient Mexico, in pre-Hispanic Mexico, the shaman was the only figure that was uh, was allowed to actually drink uh, these. Uh, these um, these potions and uh, you know and uh, because they were the only people that were capable of uh, sustaining and um, and uh, managing let's say the the kick that you would get from uh, ancestral potions such as you know um, mezcal uh, ancestors in a way so we 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 thought that it was exactly what we're doing right like it's it's something very rooted with the with the with the mezcal taste like to to have. Um, to have a shaman um, involved in it. I know tequila can only be produced in one region, right? In Mexico, like legally, Correct. tequila cannot be produced anywhere in the world except for this one region in Mexico. I, is mezcal the same as well? Tequila can only be produced in uh, uh, in the Jalisco region, and more specifically in uh, in Tequila City, which is a small town outside uh, outside Guadalajara. Um, and it's got the nomination of origin to only be produced there. Mm-hmm. Whereas mezcal uh, has a wider uh, denomination of origin that applies to 11 uh, states of the Mexican uh, territory, uh, starting from Oaxaca, which is obviously where, uh, where probably most mezcal is produced and uh, where, it was, uh, where, it pica- where it picked up and it grew uh, since the very early stages. The the thing is, both tequila and mezcal are very similar after all. They come from agave, and uh, in fact, tequila is a type of mezcal. So uh, mezcal means agave distillate in, uh, in Nahuatl, which is uh, an original uh, language of, uh, of Mexico. So, so agave distillate means anything, and if you think about it, mezcal, like um, in Mexico, is full of agaves from everywhere, in, uh, from mountains to deserts. So... You can make such as wine different uh, different varieties from different um, different species of uh, of mezcal. So you shouldn't be bound to only one state. That's why the mezcal denomination of origin is actually a little more uh, open to this. But still, you can only produce it in Mexico, and you mm-hmm. can only produce it. You can only call it uh, mezcal if it is uh, an artisanal mezcal. More importantly, if it is uh, uh, certified by uh, the regulatory. Council of Mezcal. The spirits business is really difficult. It's notoriously difficult. Why did you decide to pursue it against all odds? Fun enough, uh, it's uh, it's only through a learning process that you that you know and you learn how to tackle and uh, and uh, and swim in this in this crazy ocean that is the the spirits business. Because indeed, it is a very complicated business, and I would say that Mezcal. Uh, is probably like the uber complication yeah. for you. You know, uh, there are certain spirits that you can do literally in your um, in your garage uh, because you just need uh, some copper steels or uh, or um, iron steel, such as I don't know gin, vodka. Whereas mezcal is is a process. Mezcal uh, requires uh, to grow your agaves that take from seven to ten years to to actually mature. And then you gotta harvest them, cook them, crush them, let that marsh ferment, and then you can distill it into what you see as this beautiful and delicious elixir that you get out of, out of them. But um, so it's very artisanal, and uh, 
it requires a lot of patience and a lot of dedication to actually get the right product out of it. And then you get into this crazy and super complicated world that is the spirit business. Yeah. So you got two layers of complication. And I guess um, originally it started as a, as a hobby or as a passion, as I said, to just say, let's get into, the, into, into this business to, to always have part of our soul uh, in Mexico. But then we learned through just our experience on a daily basis that there was so much work that was needed to do even before getting the liquid in a bottle that um, that probably we needed to put a little more effort in it and uh, while we were at it why not make it a proper business and that's how it became it became the mezcal shaman that we're seeing today and uh, i mean with the vision obviously to 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 export it to the whole world for the people that don't know how the alcohol business works so let's say after production of the actual spirit how does it go into a bottle and then how does it get exported into other parts of the world well so as i said the the mezcal uh, and tequila products they in order to be exported as such they need to go through a certification process uh, and only then you can export it as mezcal artesanal for example so um, once you you certify the product and uh, um, you know, you are, um, you're able to export it to another country, you got to go through the whole logistical nightmare that is bringing a spirit, highly regulated product to any other country in the world. So you need to work with importers in every country that you're aiming to distribute or to sell your product because they will have to import it themselves. And depending on the, on the regulations, either distribute it or hand it over to another distributor that does the job for you. But you have to go through this whole process before even being able to put the bottle in another country. It's not like clothing, you know, you, you go online, you see a swimsuit that you like, and then you just click on it, and it will arrive in a, in a couple of days or a week to your country, to your home, even if it comes from the other side of the world, right? So it's, uh, it's one of those things that um, everybody knows in a way, everybody understands that, you know, it's a regulated product because it's alcohol. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, nobody really, nobody really knows how, how complicated that actually is. Yeah. And uh, I will tell you another thing. When I decided to get into this business, I called a friend who has a similar business. He actually produces Prosecco in, uh, in the Veneto region, so northeast of of Italy and exports it all over the world, mostly in Asia. And he was doing very well for himself. So I was like, this is the perfect person to ask some tips and some uh, recommendations on how to, to get my business started. The only recommendation he gave me, and I will never forget it, is you will fall many times, but only through that you will learn. Mm-hmm. I was like, damn, <laughs> why <laughs> can't you give me a couple more tips? You know, Since then, a lot of people have spoken to me and asked about some recommendations. I was like, listen, this is what this guy told me. <laughs> but there's a whole lot of things that if you knew from the beginning would make your life much easier. So mm-hmm. here's my recommendations. And there's many, you know, there's mm-hmm. a full list that comes from registering, you know, your company, your, mm, your trademark to many other things, you know. Uh, but um, but I mean it's um, it's actually a proven science pretty much how this business works nowadays. Uh, just the barriers to entry I think are pretty high because you need a lot of uh, a lot of cash to to market your product properly 
to get it to the right places mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, to compete with the big guys. Right, right, so right. this is probably like when you said it's a difficult industry, other than just the, the, the organizational, logistical and administrative uh, processes, you also have to compete with big brands that have almost unlimited budgets. And obviously they can, can offer uh, more interesting deals to, to the clients. And nowadays what we see is that even if people are looking for craft products that bring something more to the table than just alcohol let's say at the same time it's still a very strongly price oriented market yeah so you gotta obviously if you're not a, if you are a smaller brand you got higher prices and then how do you compete with the big guys mm -hmm. this is normally what we're seeing in every country we are working with uh, although you know like basically clients are like okay i want your product because i feel it's got something more to it than just like you know being a spiritual product but at the same time i want the best price you can give me so that you can compete with the other guys mm -hmm. or giving me you know a much more interesting deal and uh, and this is where we're at today and this is uh, where we were struggling at the beginning but where what we are championing now and how are you financing production have you raised money or is it just all bootstrapped yes so uh when we started the business as uh three investors we um, we actually put some money of our own um, to start the production obviously we had an idea of how much we wanted to produce how much we wanted to sell and then uh, we when we realized this was actually like there was an opportunity here to make it into proper business we fundraise you know friends and family seed round to actually get uh, get the ball rolling because it's a very cash intensive business it's a very expensive liquor to produce even and uh, um, you know it's a uh, with these kind of businesses, it's always what comes first, the chicken or the egg, right? So if I find a client that wants my product, because it takes so long to produce it, um, because anyway, like from from agave to bottle, you need at least one or two months between you start, you then you go, you work with your producer to, to make a batch, then you, you bottle it and you have it certified so that you can export it, then you got to wait for the ship to pick it up and then to take it on the other side of the world. So at least it's a couple months or more. So if I only produce when a client asks for it, then he will receive it way too late and maybe not be interested in having some product anymore. Whereas if I finance it myself, I have the bottle ready. What I do is actually bring it to Italy where I have a bonded warehouse and I can then easily uh, ship it to any country in Europe where my clients are and where they, they want it, let's say. But... Uh, but I have to invest on the product myself. And then I have all that stock sitting on my lap until I manage to sell it. So this creates a big uh, bottleneck or a big like, you know, cash, um, cash problem. Hence, we needed to, to finance ourselves through some uh, friends and family who believe in the business and, uh, and decided to, to bet on it. And, uh, and now this is how we're working. Obviously, after a few batches that you produce, the idea is to get enough money and like a, a constant revenue stream that can uh, can allow you to keep on producing and growing the business, growing the sales and uh, and the company. And by clients, you mean distributors, or do you mean like bars or liquor stores? Clients are ninety nine point nine percent distributors. Got it. Okay, and then they sell it to bars and restaurants and stores. Got it. Depending on the deals we have. 
uh, they have exclusivity on the territory, on a specific region, or on a specific channel. Got it. But with most of them, we work throughout the whole territory, channel, online, uh, direct, wholesale, everything, just because this way we can control better the sales. We can help them promote the product, but we technically may have only one client per country, right? Mm -hmm. So it eases a little bit our life as well. I see. And you said you have two co-founders. Yes. They're they're both in Mexico as well. Actually... uh, one is on this side of the world most of the time and the other is based in Mexico. So it's three of us, two Italians actually, so it's <laughs> me and Isabella and Alejandro who okay. is Mexican. Okay. And uh, probably Isabella stays a little longer on this side of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's got more feet on the ground with our main markets. Alejandro on the other side is our uh, Mexican pillar, let's say. And then there's me who, who does a little bit of both, right? I'm Mexican enough to, <laughs> to work on that side of the world, but also still European enough um, when, uh, when I'm in Italy or anywhere on this side of the world. To You're actually, the bridge. You know, I'm the bridge, exactly. <laughs> let's talk about your events. I think this is a really interesting marketing strategy. Your events are almost like mini festivals like the one you're hosting in Lisbon this summer is like a two-day affair and I've seen photos like I've seen friends from literally all over the world tag your events who've been and I just want to talk more about your thinking behind this if you use the ticket sales to finance a business and what your thought process is and going into like organizing them because they're you know there are a lot. There are a lot to work with as well. <laughs> <laughs> Organizing events is a totally different ball game, and uh, it's something that uh, I mean I've always enjoyed attending events, special events, especially, and uh, you know that leaves something uh, something more to you than just you know a night a good night out. Right. It is something that I've seen other brands do before me, so it's important to say that uh, at least how it started was because um, I noticed that there was an opportunity in the market to both uh, promote our brand but also to give something more to people especially on the side of the world. So basically, you know, it's a great marketing strategy, obviously, uh, because at the end of the day, if people uh, go home with a, with a great impression of what you do, obviously it's, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, you, you generate for a party like three, 400 ambassadors, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But uh, at the same time, the reason why we are doing these events, especially here in Europe, is because we want for people to taste what Mexico is. Like these... Why are they mini festivals? Because to me, almost any party in Mexico is a festival. You go to weddings. Mexican weddings are famous everywhere in the world because they're so much fun, right? You know, maybe, I mean, I'm Italian. I love to go to Italian weddings for the food, (laughs) but not for the party, right? So Mexico, you know, it has this story to tell. And I feel like sometimes people, I mean, we organize one party in in Mexico for the Day of the Dead and people do come but not everybody can travel to the other side of the world especially during um, end of October early November especially like from abroad people travel during holidays to go to Mexico Mexico is still a destination a holiday destination so people travel mostly during summer or you know uh, Christmas break so how can they all come during um, during you know uh, Day of the Dead is not easy so you know if uh, if you cannot come to the party I'll bring the party to you and so I started doing this in Europe and uh, and I think people are learning how how to party nowadays in a different way to to get something more from it 
than just uh, you know good music hopefully but also making new friends because what we learned what we noticed is that uh, you know obviously if you invite a lot of people that are alike they actually can interact in a much deeper level than just like you know dancing or maybe having a, a nice kiss on the dance floor but also you know i got friends who started relationships at our parties i got people that you know moved together to another country or you know just maybe made a new friend for the summer and made new travel plans together or maybe worked in businesses together i don't know it's like building a community which is kind of like the the startup world keyword <laughs> Yes, yeah. correct. Community now is yeah. like vibe a few years yeah, ago. You know, it's yeah, that exactly. word that has been sometimes overused, yeah. but after all, it, it's been overused because it's, uh, it's what people are looking for nowadays. Yeah. What do you want people to say about your brands when you're not in the room? Like when you think about these ambassadors, which you aptly describe, like what do you want them to say to their friends, for example? So this is probably a, the biggest dilemma we have because as a liquor brand what i should care about is sales or probably this is what the big guys do normally right so they would focus on 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 finding the best roi on their investment on their marketing activities what we do and we've learned is if we want to compete with these people we gotta offer something else to our uh, potential clients all over the world so what we want to do is actually build an experience and have uh, and have our uh, attendees our fellow shamaniacs <laughs> to to feel you know like fulfilled in a way to go home with an with a full heart with a happy memory to talk about the good times they had the, the new friends they made and all these through the channel that is mezcal because uh, you know when you drink mezcal you hardly get extremely inebriated because you would have to drink a lot of it and obviously it's a strong liquor but you feel elevated in a way so if you go to a party and you have your gin and tonics it's not the same as if you have mezcal all night long so obviously our events are open bar mm -hmm. with only mezcal you have uh, some beer or some wine during the dinner but other than that you only drink mezcal for two days and uh, obviously with measure we don't we're not promoting getting wasted or trash mm -hmm. right but uh, but everything we measure works and drinking mezcal for, for a whole night uh, definitely gives you a much more interesting feeling i think you know in spanish they say mezcal te pone magico it makes you magical it doesn't make you drunk right and uh, and i think this is very important and people when they go back home they're like oh wow this is was such such a fun such a fun night out such a fun party such a fun weekend and and then maybe they will say, ah, I will order mezcal next time that I that I go out. That's so interesting that like you're deciding to use this strategy. I mean, a lot of spirits brands these days are just so focused on influencer marketing. And I want to know if you have ever thought about paying influencers to promote your brand on social media. Why or why not? We thought about it many times because this is where the business is going to. And especially if you see how tequila is working nowadays, especially in the U.S. market, there's a lot of influencer-based uh, companies, right? You've got these big names out there um, that are, uh, you know, founding or anyway ambassadors of certain tequila brands and they are sold out right away which i mean at the end of the day business is business and they're killing it uh, but at the same time mezcal is a little more niche still so even if we were to pay a brand ambassador it would have to be someone extremely directed and like extremely targeted for a special crowd 
And uh, because mezcal is still not a big direct-to-consumer business, people don't go to a liquor store and buy mezcal so much outside Mexico or maybe the U.S. On this side of the world, especially in Europe, people go buy a bottle of wine for 5, 10 euros, maybe if they want to, to get a special gift for their friends or I've invited them for dinner, you know. They don't spend 40 to 50 euros minimum for a spirit. But if they go to a bar, a cocktail bar, they want a mezcal drink. So to me, it's more important for people to experience what drinking mezcal does or how delicious mezcal is through my event so that then when they go out to bars and restaurants, they try something new, they try a mezcal cocktail or a different mezcal, and, uh, and they speak about it with their friends. And so it's more of a social, and again, kind of a community uh, oriented marketing because because this is the way we spread the word of mezcal in a way rather than just having um, than just having people see it on their social media but then how do you convert it into purchasing also to go back to a question that you had before and uh, if we make any money from our parties and this is how we finance our business in order for people to have a good time and and come back to our events we obviously want to offer them something special and uh, special doesn't come cheap especially in the event industry so as of now we are only financing the parties through the sales of the parties okay that makes sense and uh, it's very important for us for people to understand that and feel it during the event and this is why we still don't charge for alcohol inside or food or anything else you pay for a ticket that gives you everything makes everybody equal first of all and at the same time doesn't make you feel like you're being overcharged or exploited, right? Because the moment I start doing this, it's when you lose the magic. Because then people come to your party because it's cool, but they don't have that, you know, that um, that feeling, that taste, that beautiful taste that stays in your mouth for longer. You know, this is this is what we've done till now, and uh, and it's worked pretty well. So we want to keep it that way. I think the strategy as a very young brand to go for more of like a guerrilla approach, like a, like you know, organizing these mini festivals and not spending money on influencer marketing is really interesting because you're not only building community, but you're also educating your yes. prospective customers on what mezcal is. Because I agree with you. I think in Europe, people are not even as keen to have a margarita like they'll order as you mentioned like a glass of wine versus having like a spirit and it's like it's an interesting approach for sure and like having that you know word of mouth spread I mean it's from my perspective I've seen so many people in different friendship circles posting about mezcal shaman um I want to know also more about you know, going back to what this mentor of yours said to you, um, the Prosecco guy, if you had to think about some of the hardest lessons or the hardest moments in your business, you know, moments when you wanted to just give it all up and be like, I can't do this. This is really hard. If you've ever had those times and what you learned. Yes, of course. There's a few, obviously. It is a very competitive business. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we looked for creative uh, ways to start distributing in certain countries. And that uh, included uh, working with, uh, you know, with distributors that maybe weren't as established. Because, again, uh, the barrier to entry is big or they already had their mezcal in their portfolio or they don't believe yet in mezcal, so they're not interested in, in distributing your brand. But smaller distributors sometimes are more keen on distributing your product, right? Because they believe in it, because uh, they want to to enter a new market, mm -hmm. you know, to get into this niche. But smaller 
smaller distributors are not as established and uh, same as us sometimes they have uh, cash problems and when they default on you it, it sucks and it happened a couple of times I mean we, we learn from our mistakes but at the same time you know it's a setback both on your projections on your strategy and on a projected cash flow that you were hoping to have um, and you're not anymore and because as I said it's a very cash intensive business every every dollar counts or every euro or every peso so so when when that just disappears in a way it's uh, it's a big setback for you and um, and it makes you think what am I doing here right yeah but then then you get these other friends for example that um, send you pictures from a remote hotel in Sicily and tell you ah look what I, what I found here and that's why you say okay it means that mezcal is going around that uh, people are drinking it are um, remembering about our brand and uh, and I mean um, this is when you're like okay there's always some rainy days but also there's a lot of uh, brightness outside a yeah. lot of sunny days as yeah well. I would say that's pretty par for the course for any entrepreneur yeah yeah because it's a bet any 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 new business any startup is a bet yeah right even for for the founders not just for the investors yeah so so you put everything you have in it you want to see it shine you want to see it grow but uh, you gotta stay strong and uh, you know uh, just go through those days and uh, and you know keep the mind clear and uh, and positive i would say yeah i really admire you because i mean I, I shared this with my audience before, but there was a brief moment in time when I tried to start a tequila business and I was like, this is, this is not easy <laughs> at all. It's There's not. so many moving pieces. And, you know, going back to what you said about distributors, I mean, choosing your distributors, it's almost like choosing investors in a way because, a business partner, yeah, business say. partner, because they got to believe in you, your brands, and they got to believe in, you know, their ability to also sell your product to the right you know, physical locations, bars, restaurants, and grocery stores, etc. So, I mean, it's it's a lot for sure. For sure. I was wondering if you could share more about your thought process in your physical distribution. Because, I mean, just looking at where you distribute, it's like all the trendy, cool places in Europe, like Milano, Paris... Um, how do you choose a specific outlets, like retail outlets, and like what? Do, what's your thought process behind that? So, I mean, you gotta look at the demographics, mm-hmm. especially in Europe. People don't uh, don't buy spirits as much as uh, you know as wine, for example, mm-hmm. or they mostly buy gin and some vodka because they are the cheapest, easiest to mix, and they're the ones that have been, you know, more. Uh, for longer in the market but uh, what you look as a as a target client for mezcal to start with is probably someone that has uh, traveled the world that is uh, you know uh, young hip and uh, and curious obviously you find most of those people in the big metropolis especially in western europe right so you got lisbon obviously nowadays you got london you got paris you got madrid you got milan rome as well and um, at the same time you got a lot of obviously tourism people traveling there going out for drinks at a nice cocktail bar and what do they want they want mezcal said that everybody can drink mezcal obviously it's uh, you know a delicious spirit and uh, you will find some tiny mezcalerias or agave bars in Puglia for example southern Italy or in the middle of um, of France so obviously you cannot close your your market only to those hotspots but at the same time it's where you have more potential to sell this product 
and also the highest concentration of cocktail bars because after all this is our biggest client mm-hmm. like our distributors sell most to cocktail bars i would say obviously the whole oreca you know hotels restaurants and catering businesses are very interesting and we're tapping into some weddings nowadays yeah, because that's, that's where a, a lot idea. of people are drinking mezcal yeah, now i can see that although again it's not your typical Italian wedding, mm-hmm. but probably someone that has an international crowd of friends that, yeah. that are coming or those destination weddings mm. are big with Mescal now. Yeah, yeah. It seems like every American is getting married in Italy now as well. So Toscany. I'm sure that, yeah. Not even Italy, Toscany or the Amalfi Coast. <laughs> yeah, <would> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but that's where we know, we gotta, you know, you gotta know your market yeah. and, uh, and yeah. then tap into it any way you can. Um, because, uh, yeah, probably if I was to try and sell... Um, to a tiny town of uh, of southern Italy, it would be harder to to find the the right clientele. Yeah, right? exactly. But it doesn't mean that people are not open or curious to mm. try mezcal nowadays. Mm-hmm. Who will do the job for me, though? Who will uh, be my influencer? Mm-hmm. Is the bartender at the bar who will recommend it to these clients? Who will put shaman on their cocktail list and will say, "You want to try something new today? Why not? Uh, why not a mezcal drink?" Yeah, that's actually true. I was wondering also on that note. Do you pay bartenders bonuses to push mezcal? Because I know in LA especially, like bartenders will have sort of like this influencer type agreement with spirits brands. The bigger brands do have certain deals with bars or bartenders. Uh, What we try to do, same as for our events, is to give an experience even to our bartenders. So, you know, there's all types of incentives. What we try to do, though, is more to, to showcase what our brand does and make them fall in love with our brand rather than with our money. So we've done some experiences. We invite them to our parties, to our events, and also we've done uh, some some more shaman-oriented uh, experiences catered to our uh, champion bartenders. And uh, and we saw that this is uh, this probably the best way for them to feel what our brand is about and to speak about it at a deeper level rather than just recommending the brand that has given them the most money. It's a lot of moving pieces. So you have the production, the bottling, the certification, the exporting, the distribution, the marketing of the events, the marketing on social media, the marketing with the bartenders. It's like, <laughs> it's a lot. It's it's intense. Yeah, it's, it's intense. A lot. And um, you're, you have to also worry about all these bigger brands, you know, trying to eat your lunch. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not an easy business, but it's... Uh, I, I don't know. It's it's probably a very cheesy word, but when you see people enjoying, you know, a mezcal drink or having a good time at your events, and uh, it, this is all you want after all, right? How do you feel whole as a business person, mm-hmm. making your millions or or bringing something new, something that you know improves this world somehow? And uh, especially in a very criticized industry such as liquor nowadays, where a lot of people, you know, are migrating into uh, non-alcoholic drinks Uh, you know after all like you got this uh, negative publicity sometimes but after all like everything we measure is just like can be even beneficial for you and i think you know even drinking mezcal obviously not on a daily basis (laughs) right can uh, can be great especially you know you have a delicious cocktail that tastes amazing that you're drinking because you enjoy the taste of it rather than just to get drunk with you know another kind of spirit Mixed with tons of sugar. Yeah. So to conclude this interview, I wanted to know what's your favorite way to drink mezcal? 
by the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> so funny enough, I mean, as as I as you saw at the beginning when I came uh, in this room with you, I brought a flask, and I always try to bring one with me, right? But um, I think straight, mezcal is a sipping spirit. Mm-hmm. You gotta kiss it. El mezcal se besa, no se no se toma. So you you gotta sip it. And you've got to savor every single moment of it. You've got to close your eyes. You've got to uh, think of, you know, uh, everything, all the intentions that have, been being, that have been put into it throughout the whole process. You've got to think of this agave plant that has been growing for over 10 years and that has been, you know, going through so much, so many seasons itself before even, you know, developing this juice an elixir that then you can drink nowadays and i think it's um it's very important to to remember that and savor it when you're when you're having a sip you know mm-hmm. i love to hear it my favorite way actually is with watermelon frozen watermelon and that's it's it's that's like the delicious. best summer cocktail every tropical fruit just gives it such a good such a good kick and and i think this is the other reason why mezcal is getting so popular nowadays i think any cocktail drink that you can have nowadays just tastes better with mezcal. Yeah, it's something different, which it's I different. love. Yeah, and uh, and you just you, you feel the taste, not just the alcohol, and I think this is what makes it so special. But yeah, watermelon. Oof. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. No, I really it appreciate it. Yeah, I'll leave a link in the show notes to Mezcal Shaman, so you guys can all check it out. And I will see you guys in the next episode. Ciao. Ciao.